Uh, hi and welcome to the Imperial Hearts Podcast. I'm your host Jamie, the Rebel Player. And I'm your host Dana and I'm the Imperial Player. And today we're going to talk about uh, sort of a almost a pitch for the Tactical Miniatures board game Imperial Assault. Yeah, this is not going to be like our normal podcasts. We're just going to do like, and we're not going to do any talk about other stuff we did this week. We're mm-hmm. just going to like do our full in-depth review of Imperial Assault and why we think you should play it. Because you should. You should play it. If you like Star Wars, but you've never gotten into board games, this is a good way to start. Yep. Because it's like Star Wars, the board game. And if you like board games, but you're kind of half and half on Star Wars, I think you'd still enjoy this. Yeah. Or it, you know, you're sort of half and half. And I like, mean, almost everyone kind of likes Star Wars a little bit. It's true. I mean, even if you only kind of like Star Wars, I think this is a good starting point yeah. for your board game. Do you like the old trilogy? Did you see Rogue One and think, whoa, that looks really cool? <laughs> this is Rogue One, the board game. It's also Star Wars Rebels, the board game. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's formatted like a television show, very much. Uh, so what you're going to do is you're going to play, basically, two to four players of your friends are going to play... A, a team of rebels, um, and it's set right after A New Hope, so you're going to play a team of rebels that were sort of stationed on that base, and then someone else is going to play, like one player, who's me, because mm-hmm. I'm always the villain, uh, will play the Imperial player. So it's kind of like, uh, you're going to go on missions, um, and the Imperial player is going to try to stop you. Yep, you're going to try and... Uh, sabotage their weapons installations, you're going to gather intelligence, you're going to escape from their clutches, you're going to take down some important, you know, lieutenants and stuff, and uh, yeah, they're going to try and do all those same things back. Right, so then the other thing about this game is unlike a lot of board games, this is sort of like a campaign. So it's a bit of a commitment. You're going to need a group of friends who are going to want to play this. It's a, it'll probably take you about six weeks. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do it all at once, but it's sort of like a recurring television show where you're going to show up and you're going to do a mission, which is kind of like an episode. And then the next week, um, it's going to follow up from what happened and new things are going to happen based on what you did last week. Yeah, you'll play a new mission and what, there's 12 missions in total? Um, I think in a normal campaign, it's like between 12 and 14. Right. So depending on how often you play, it'll t- how often and how long your sessions are, how many missions you play in each session, you'll take, um, that will determine how long you're playing the campaign. It depends on how long you play every week. Like you could, like hypothetically, you could just get all your friends and make them stay overnight and do it in one weekend. <laughs> but I think <clears throat> the strength of this game is it feels very like serialized. It yeah. feels like a TV show. Um, I think it feels more like a TV show than it feels like the movies. Agreed. Yeah, because it's episodic. Yeah, it's episodic. And, like, there's not always epic things happening, but it does have that, like, Star Wars original trilogy kind of vibe to it. Yeah, and it's got... Exactly. It's It doesn't have filler episodes in the way that a TV show does exactly, but because nothing's necessarily resolved in every every episode, you've got a little bit of intelligence or a little success happening... But the overall story takes the full 12 to 14 missions to unfold. It's yeah, exactly. It's going to be like an overarching story. Mm-hmm. Um, so to start at the game, you, you, get, you get in the box, you get six different characters that you get to pick from. And they're all like different Star Wars archetypes, like, you know, like uh, a Wookiee or a Jedi, a smuggler, like stuff like that. And everyone is going to play that character every week. Yeah. You play the same character every time. Yeah. And then as you go, that character is going to get like more like new abilities and stronger. It's it's almost like if, if you've ever played a role-playing game, it's kind of like that, but it's a lot easier and a lot simpler. Mm-hmm. It's not as in-depth as your typical tabletop role-playing game. Yeah, and you don't have to make the character. You don't have to pick their stats or skills. Yeah. It's, it's sort of pre-generated for you. But... Um, like, would you say you found, like, also, like, kind of, you ended up developing your character more beyond what's in the box? Yeah, you get, you get the sort of stats and details and, you know, dice modifications and stuff like that, but your backstory and your characterization is totally open. It's totally up to so you. So if, if you're interested in role-playing and backstory, which we are, and which I am um, a lot, 
I developed a whole backstory for my character before the first session. Actually, I came to the first session with a backstory. Exactly. And, uh, you know, we include that as part of the campaign. But you don't have to do that. Nope. It, it's, it's not necessary to the game. The cool thing about this game is it's, like, very minimal. I mean, it's, like, a very, like... It's, it comes with a lot of pieces and a lot of stuff inside, but the instructions are very thorough, and they sort of, like, teach you how to play, and it's all kind of, like, done for you. Yeah. Do you want to talk about what the game, like, looks like? Because we kind of glossed over, sure. like, what... Yeah. Sure. So, you get this box, and it's got a bunch of modular cardboard tile sets to make modular maps based mm -hmm. on the missions in the book. Uh, it's got all these little plastic miniatures that, you know, little stormtroopers and little ATSTs and tiny Imperial officers and then your characters and stuff. And you can even buy uh, some of the other characters. You know, you had a yeah. little, um, you bought a couple of the extra ones. So they had an R2-D2 and a C-3PO and these little miniatures that you have to paint. They come unpainted. Um, but you don't have to paint them. No, no. They look fine unpainted. They do. I think most people who play this game just play it as a board game. It's not necessarily... It doesn't need to be a miniatures game. But if you want... If you like painting miniatures, mm -hmm. they're really nice miniatures to paint. Yeah. And there's lots of cards and tokens and custom dice and kind of the same um, level of quality, of course, obviously, from all of the Fantasy Flight games. Similar yep. in uh, quality to... Age of Rebellion, like we talked about last week, with the custom. I think it's even. I think it's like higher quality. I think it's like comparable to like X Wing. Yeah. In terms of the components. Yeah, very nice components. Okay, so in your first game, like we talked about, what you're gonna do is everyone's gonna pick a character, and then the Imperial player is gonna set up your first mission. So what that looks like is the Imperial player gets this book. And it's full of basically a choose-your-own-adventure story. And each page has a mission on it, which is going to come with like some narration, but it also gives you instructions on how to build these tiles into like a little dungeon almost. Mm -hmm. Like a little um, mission that the rebels are going to have to walk through and achieve certain objectives. Yeah, and they could be, sometimes there are military installations, sometimes it's a base or a ship. Yep. Or a, a back alley with some, you know, like a cantina and a junk shop kind of thing. It can be, the maps can be all kinds of things. Yeah, and usually your mission is something like uh, hacking into a computer or gaining, like gaining intel is a big thing. Mm -hmm. uh, rescuing a captive or escaping. Some of, the, some of the things are just like, you get captured and you have to escape. Yeah, jailbreak. So it's also a turn-based game where the... Uh, the Imperial player has a bunch of sort of different squadrons and characters, and we each have our own characters. So the Rebels go first, one Rebel goes, then the Imperial player goes, then the next Rebel goes, then the Imperials go again, the next Rebel, and so on and so forth, until all of the units have had a turn. And you can, you know, do a couple of things. You can move, you can shoot, uh, you can, you know, if you can reach one of the other players, you can attack them. Yeah. Um, or you can interact with a console or a crate. You can, uh, yeah, you can, open like, a door. pick up items on the board. You can, like, um, ha a lot of hacking. Yeah, um, or slicing, as they say Slicing, as they say in the Star Wars universe. Um, so, in each mission definitely feels like, like, especially if you take a movie like A New Hope, where, like, every time they get into, a like, an installation or a dungeon... It's like they get into trouble and they're like running through and trying to just barely get by. Yeah. You know, they're not trying to fight the stormtroopers. They're trying to like put down cover fire to escape. Yeah. And it very much feels like that. It's very fast paced. And <laughs> that's a, a lesson that we took a long time to learn is that you can't, you know, it's better to get in, get out, go after the objective, get your uh, communications, download your intel from the computer, get out because you'll never... Yeah. You'll never be able to stop all the Imperials. The waves just keep coming and coming the longer you take. The longer you take, the longer, the more the Imperial player gets this currency called threats. Mm -hmm. And as the Imperial player, I can spend that threat to summon more stormtroopers, um, to like create traps, to like make unfortunate bad things happen to the rebels. Yeah. So you really want to focus on, okay, what's our objective? Hit it, get in, get out, escape yeah. before the Empire overwhelms you. So it's not really a combat game, it's more of a strategy game. 
Yeah. Um, it's like a puzzle. Like, how do we do this in the least moves possible? Um, so with that said, I think it's really important. This is something they don't address in the manual, and I think it's really important if you're going to play this game, um, is that the Imperial player is not just your opposition. Your Imperial player is sort of also a GM. Like, you're going to be more of a moderator. Um, if you're just trying to kill the rebels, you will win because you have an advantage. And uh, because the rebel players outnumber the Imperial player, mm -hmm. it becomes like if you've got, you've got three or four players versus the one Imperial player, if the one player is dominating everybody all the time, morale tends to slide. Yeah, so you need to manage that. Yeah. Because if it starts becoming not fun, you got to, like, manage it and, like, have some... And, like, the way that um, we found to make it work well for both of us is to sort of role-play a little bit. So not just playing tactically, but playing, like, you know, maybe the, the stormtroopers all run into a room and get all get shot to pieces like they do in the movies. Like, um, so you don't necessarily want to, like, play completely tactically. It's also kind of like a story game. Yeah, you had, um, you had the Imperial characters act like characters and not pieces on a board. You know, if you've got, um, you've got a seven-foot-tall Wookiee with a vibro-axe charging at them, they're probably going to go for the Wookiee instead of trying to, like, pick off the mechanic in the back looking at the communit. Or if, if, a, if a Force user shows up, they might go after the Jedi. Yeah. Like, there's, like, all kinds of interesting, like, little things which will happen. Yeah, so it, it's sort of not necessarily metagaming all the time where the Imperial player is trying to make the best tactical decision. It's like, well, what would these people who are faced with this sort of terrorist attack, what are they going to do? Right. They're going to, you know, react emotionally or in the moment, just like a real person would. They're not necessarily going to be thinking about it objectively. And that helps balance out the inherent advantage the Imperial player has because of their extra resources. So that's just a summary of what's going to happen, like, in most of your missions. It's going to be, like, a little tussle, a little skirmish. That's <laughs> <laughs> the way that you said that. Tussle. It's, like, super cute. Thank you. Um, and then after that, it's like, depending on if you win or lose, different things happen. So like if the rebels win, they get more points. And if the Imperials win, they get more points. Everyone gets some points. And what you can spend those points on is making your characters better. Um, or buying new stuff from yeah. the shop. And the Imperial kind of doesn't have a shop, but the Imperial has, like, a deck of plots that they can purchase from. Which is, yeah. Evil plot really cool. deck. Yeah, which is pretty fun. So you're advancing your character between missions. Yeah. Which really, like, adds... And also, like, we found, like, we kind of, like, we come up with little stories about, like, okay, well, maybe we're on a ship or something. Yeah, we had a <laughs> lot of, um... There isn't a lot of room for role-playing during the actual missions of the game in the way that there's room for role-playing in a D&D game. You know, like, they're, you don't yeah. usually stop to talk to the, you know, stormtroopers that you're shooting at or whatever. But if you leave room in, in between the missions and your players are into role-playing, you've got maybe you are talking to your commander about the next mission. Maybe you're debriefing amongst each other about how the mission went. You know, those sorts of things. There is actually a fair amount of room if you leave it uh, to sort of develop your characters and their relationships in between the missions, and we did that a fair amount. Yeah, so you have time to develop your characters if you want to. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if your group just wants to play it as a board game, you can do that too. Yep. Um, that's the thing that I think is really great about this game, is that if you want to play a story-based game, you can make up as much extra story as you want, and it kind of is easy to fit it in. If you want to just play a board game, it already has its own story built in that you don't even need to come up with. Yeah, exactly. And you don't you can just go straight from mission to mission and the story continues without anything in between. Absolutely. Um so that's pretty much it. That's the basics of Imperial Assault. Yep. So you're going to go on missions and like all those missions accumulate in like a grand finale, which yeah. is kind of like two missions which are kind of like it's the two-part finale. Two-part yeah. finale of your game. Yeah. Also, the cool part about this is, like I was saying, the Imperial player has that choose-your-own-adventure book. So depending on whether the Rebels or the Imperials win, your next mission will be different. You won't be doing the same missions as anyone else. You're going to be doing 
So your campaign is going to look different than anyone else's, basically, depending on what happens in your game. And they do a really good job. This is something I really appreciated in the design is uh, they do a really good job of having the missions not feel punishing or unnecessarily rewarding if you win or lose. No, it's kind of just like something different happens. Yeah. It's, it's Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Yeah, if the rebels lose a couple of missions and they get... We didn't actually have this mission, but there's a capture mission. The Imperials capture you if you lose certain missions. Yeah. And then the next mission becomes then like a jailbreak and escape. You have to get away. We never had that one, but that would have been fun. You know. Yeah, there's some cool... Yeah, yeah you don't feel uh, like you're at a huge disadvantage if you lose a couple of missions. You're just going to play a, a different... The other, kind of. the other thing we should mention is that there's also randomized missions, and some of they're called side missions, which are kind of like, I want to call them filler episodes, except for they do, they still have their own cool plots. Yeah, and cool characters. And cool characters. So like the side missions, there's like a side mission for each character in the game too. So each character who's playing will get their own special mission that's just about them. Yeah. So like you can go on a quest for, the, like the Jedi can go on a quest for their lightsaber, or like, um, I guess we didn't really use many of the, I want to use ones from the box set, but yeah, um, like the Wookiee can go and rescue the Wookiee's brother. That's right. the one we didn't do that one, but so there's, there's these like very character focused missions, which are really cool. Yeah. And they, and then if you win that mission, that character gets a, an item, usually gets special things. Yeah. yeah. Gets a personalized piece of armor or a blaster or a lightsaber or some piece of gear to help them along it's pretty cool so we are we've been talking a lot about like these these pieces of gear or these pieces of, right of like you know uh, so these are all represented by all these tiny little mini decks of cards which are like half the size of a playing card yeah so it's very cute like you can sort of collect these like little pieces of things and then you have a little stack of cards which represent your character yeah so like one we'll, of the we'll post a picture on the website of like somebody's uh someone's like you know, mish character yeah. yeah the cool thing that like one of the things i really like about this like if any of you have ever played a role-playing game like you know that your character is basically made up of pencil on paper right so like you're going to be writing down all these little numbers and when you get new abilities you write them down but in this game you get a card or a token so it's very like physical yeah there's no writing down you at all. You don't need to ever write anything down, yeah. which is like really cool. So you get that like RPG experience, but it's like all made of plastic and cardboard. So it's very much more like playing with toys. Yeah. And if you get, you know, even uh, you get damage during combat, you just take damage tokens with numbers on them so that you're counting up how much damage you've taken. You don't have to yeah. change your hit points on a piece of paper. Definitely. Um, so the game is good as it is, and we don't have too many criticisms. We'll probably get to our criticisms later. But I want to talk about this game as a frozen pizza. <laughs> so this is my metaphor for this game. Yep. Um, so I like to use a lot of cooking metaphors whenever I'm talking about games. Um, I don't know why. But this game is very much like, um, it's good out of the box, much like a frozen pizza. But it also leaves this room to add all of your own ingredients if you want to. And then you can make it like a really amazing, you can add avocado and bacon and you can make it a really good, and a lot of people don't like avocado on their pizza, but mm. I think they're crazy. Tip number one of the week, Imperial Salt tip, put avocado on your pizza. That is a good tip. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Seems weird, but you'll like it. Um, so we're just going to have a bunch of tips on like how to customize this game to make it even better than it already is. Yeah, because it's just... A pizza? Pizza's always good? Yeah. No matter what, it's going to be good. Exactly. It's a great game, but gourmet pizza, you're going to have an even better time. Yeah. It's and you're going to make time. you're going to make your friends, you can put whatever toppings you want depending on who your friends are. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about this game is like it can be really any experience you want it to be. It can be like it can be a you can pretty much use it as a straight up role playing game if you want. Yeah. Or you can play it as a tactical war game. And it's like, it kind of works either way. Okay, so I think, uh, and of course this is my bias showing because... So you're I'm the like, rebel player. I'm the rebel player, but I also have, um, I have a lot of feelings, as we know from this podcast already. <laughs> and I prefer my games to have feelings too. So I think the game is a lot more fun if you do treat it like a light role-playing game. Um, we have a group that is open and interested in that kind of thing, so that's sort of where we went with it. Maybe for the people 
listening who never played a role-playing game, do you want to, like, maybe describe what that entails for you? Yeah, so, um, we sort of had, uh, you know, everybody played with a character that came out of the box, but we really encouraged each other to come up with a backstory for the character, come up with a personality for the character. Who is this person, and why are they here? A, like, why are they in the rebellion? What would be their motivation to be going on these missions, fighting the Empire? Why are you fighting um, in the Alliance? Um, and then you make decisions during the game based on what that person would do. You know, um, I have a soft heart, as, may I don't know, maybe you can tell. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, <laughs> um, I have a hard time killing NPCs, even stormtroopers, because, I don't know. Um, so, my character, who, you know, that, that can be a liability in a war game, where you get overwhelmed by waves of stormtroopers, so, my character often did mission objectives. Go slice into the comm unit. Go right. run behind, behind everybody and dis while everybody else is distracting the troops, I go and try and get the intelligence downloaded from the computers or whatever. So you played an engineer? I did play an engineer. And um, so I was less combat focused, which suits me as a person <laughs> because I feel bad being combat focused. So sure. those are the kind of things that we, uh, you know, that's part of the the flavor of the game. If you want to role play flavor of the game like that, we had you know another character who his uh, the actual character sheet suggested a sort of angry badass <laughs> sort of hated stormtroopers kind of thing. So the, the character description is vengeful gorilla. Yeah, and he, he wears scavenged stormtrooper armor. He's got a beef with stormtroopers. Yeah. We're talking the care some of the characters we're talking about are from expansions, which we'll talk about later, but Yeah. So uh, that character sort of suggested a personality based on his character cards, so our um, that I think kind of all of them do. All yeah, the, all the yeah. character cards kind of are flavorful to start with. Yeah. And like kind of give you an impression of what that character might be like. Yeah. From the illustration. So, um, Justin, who played that character, Biv, uh, played, he liked to taunt the stormtroopers and he used to like run into a group of stormtroopers and just start blasting away and start hitting them with the back of his gun and stuff. So he really played that up. So that yeah. became, he, he had a lot of like angry, quippy one-liners where, he, you know, he liked to, <laughs> he liked to go and, and run in and sort of taunt all the stormtroopers. And then they would usually be angry and shoot at him. And yeah, and as the Imperial player, yeah. like, I would respond and yeah. I'd have them all rush him yeah. or there's one left, maybe that one stormtrooper would run away. Yeah, and then <clears throat> and then if, like, let's say the stormtrooper gets away and then later we fight more stormtroopers and this sort of notoriety of that stormtrooper hunter grows the longer the mission goes and maybe they've heard of him. Yeah, maybe. eventually, eventually yeah. they started knowing who he was. Yeah, and they're like, oh shit, it's him, you know? Yeah. They're going to come after him because they've heard these rumors from the surviving troopers about this character. So those are the kind of, that's the kind of flavor that you can add to the game if you're interested in developing the characters sort of um, beyond what's on the card. And then, uh, like we mentioned before, we like to role play in between, in between missions. So we had uh, one of the characters is uh, referenced in the manual and in the missions as your pilot. So we had a character for the pilot, and then sometimes we would talk to her on the ship on the way back to the base. We would talk to the commander who was giving us the missions. You know, we would talk to each other. So so what is that, like for people who haven't played a role-playing okay. game, what does that look like? Do you, like, is it sort of like, I, I mean, I could say, like, you could, why don't you say though? Because you're, you're kind of the role Sure. Player. So, um, well, some of those characters, uh, like the pilot or the commander who aren't, your character, and they aren't one of the other players' characters, um, are what are referred to as non-player characters. So I would play all those NPCs, and yeah. usually we would just make them up and kind of improv. Yeah, so you just, um, you would maybe read out the mission on the card. There's a little mission description on a card from the box. You yeah, there's a little out. bits of narration already included. Yep, and then we would just, you just start acting in character. You start talking as though you are the character. So you say, I... And 
Yeah. This, the, but you're you're talking as your character, and when you refer to one of the other players, you refer to them as their character. You it's kind of like acting. Basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, and for but for some people who are not as comfortable with that, like a few times, some of our players would sort of narrate in the third person instead. Yeah. Which is a bit less like vulnerable, a bit less performance, but mm-hmm. you're still like telling a story together. Yeah. And there's no mechanics for this. This is just something that we did because we thought it was fun. Yeah, because we like role playing. Yeah. And I mean, that, that kind of leads nicely into like, um, the next point, which mm-hmm. is sort of like, you guys would build these characters and I would try to work each mission to sort of like, for sort of like cater them towards those characters. So like there'd be a mission in the box and you know, it would, uh, what's a good example of a mission that I catered towards the characters? Um, what about Saska's personal mission when we discovered that, uh, we went to go find her dad? Right. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. So like one of the missions is sort of like one of the characters, um, has a father that she's, she has to like go and find. I don't know how much of that was in the book. None of it. No, some of it. She has an actual father in the book. No, it was supposed to be her. The mission was supposed to be her contacts. Oh, was it? It was like... We make up the whole dad thing? Yeah. Yeah. Even a lot of dads in our stories. We do, we do. So um, we like feelings and we like feeling sad. We do. So we like making everything, every game we play, we usually role play the game. Even if yeah. it's a board game, we'll probably find a way to role play. Or a video game. Or a video game. We're probably going to find a way to role play it or add some background story in our heads. Yeah. And we're going to probably make it sad by yeah. accident. By yeah, accident. Yeah. It's not like we aim to make it sad no that well there's gonna be a lot of accidental feelings of all kinds of course but the sad ones are really good ones and we also have a lot of feelings about dads i guess so uh, <laughs> a lot of characters have like <laughs> as you know as you do i'm sure some of you imperial will... hearts episode three daddy <laughs> or start we call this episode to star dads that's a good one too <laughs> star dads my kid <laughs> yeah I'm sure some of you... Space Daddy. <laughs> that, one was, that one's kind of weird. That's not what the episode's going to be called. That's what... I'm going to edit it, and that's what it's going to be called. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, okay. I mean, that's what Star Wars is really about. It's true. They're, it's yeah. about dads. Yeah. So, Sad dads. Yeah. Sad dads might be a good episode <laughs> title. So... Yeah, so um, one of the missions, so I had already come up with a, uh, this is a bit of a digression, Um, I had already come up with a backstory for my character that deviated from the backstory that was given in the box, because she's got a little side mission, where she comes from Tatooine, because, you know, who, who doesn't, who doesn't come from Tatooine, apparently, anyway, and uh, she's sort of like a black market engineer in, in the box, and so the side mission involves her sort of shady black market contacts on Tatooine. You go and talk to them and, uh, you know, get some information from them. I had already come up with a backstory that was sort of incompatible with that in some ways, personally. So I thought, hey, what if the black market engineer is her father mm-hmm. and we have to go see and they're his contacts and we're going to go find him and then use him to go talk to these contacts in the mission and what ended up happening what you ended up doing with that is when we got there to talk to him he's missing he's gone and you see how easy it is like this is a great example of how easy it is to like add all this flavor to like a really basic war game it sort of like suggests this stuff and you're just like well what if yeah he's missing yeah, and then we find out when it, we don't actually succeed in that mission, we don't get the real intel from the contacts, but we do find out that they think it was the Empire who took him. Yeah. He was disappeared by the Empire. He's not just missing. So this this game, like, it sort of has its way of generating its own stories, and then you can sort of just add more and more. So then, like, on the later mission, like, we were we got close to finding out, like, her dad was involved in a secret weapons project. Yeah. And then eventually, like, one of the final objectives was, like, rescuing her dad. Yeah. So, like, there's these, and, like, none of this is in the rules, but we just add it in, and it's more, it makes the missions more personal. Yeah. It gives I, the characters a motivation. Exactly. And I, I, as the one of the players, I can't emphasize enough 
how much that does for your enjoyment of the game, in, in my opinion. It feels really good. It feels good to have the um, GM sort of pay personal attention to you and your character. It makes the things that you do in the game feel like they have impact on the story. You're, what The decisions that you make matter. And if the GM is going to take those plot hooks and those story hooks that you've come up with and weave them into the story of the game, it feels like you're sort of contributing to this story together. And you're getting this sort of personal focus um, and all the characters and the players will have that. You know, there'll be like this collective story where all of the players' stories are woven together and they're woven together with the story in the box and it just makes, you know, we're all telling this um, Star Wars story together. It makes you really feel like you're a part of that world and you're telling a story that's important to you. Definitely. So, it's really fun. Um, so, along those lines we find that sort of a must-do, and it's a really easy way to make this game a bit more flavorful. Um, this is like any game, do this. This is like if you're, you know, just like any cooking, add some salt and pepper. Any game, add a soundtrack. Yes. So you put on the Star Wars soundtrack while you're playing, and it's going to feel so much cooler and yeah. so much more epic. Um, if you can, like, it's really fun to, like, have certain tracks queued up. It's like when the Sith Lord arrives, you yeah. play the Darth Vader theme. Yeah. And everybody at the table just goes like, oh shit. Yeah. Everything, it, it, it's hard to, it can't be overstated how much that adds to the game. Yeah, you, for you sure. You have uh, one of the Star Wars soundtracks, especially the old trilogy ones, um, because they all have that really classic, you know, distinctive music. Uh, old trilogy, um, Star Wars Rebels soundtrack, the Force Awakens soundtrack has the same kind of tone. Uh, we used to mix of all of them. We did, yeah. Put it yeah. on in the background, and you'd you'd also be surprised how often the music matched up with the tone, sort of automatically, and that feels that's awesome, you know. Yeah, it's you, even cooler when that happens. Yeah, you get a big wave of Imperials <laughs> show up, and like you hear a cue from the Imperial March, and it just you know you you feel like you're a part of the Star Wars universe. You're not just totally. playing a board game. It's really fun. Another easy way to make this game a little bit cooler is you just name everyone. And that's, this is a, this is a rule from a role-playing game called, I think it's from Dungeon World, or maybe from Apocalypse World originally, but we try to, whenever there's an unnamed soldier, like, uh, especially Imperial officers, things yeah. like that, if you give them a name, they just become a character. Exactly, yeah. So, like, um, and then they might come back later. Yeah, you had, um, so... Pretty much the way the missions work is once the mission objective is completed, the mission ends. Yeah. So you don't have to kill all of the characters on the board. You just end the mission and the story goes that you get away. So there's often Imperial characters left alive uh, by the end of the mission. So one of the officers survives. Maybe they come back in yeah. a future mission that character comes back and uh, now they've got a personal vendetta against you because you've sabotaged this thing that they were trying to achieve and now it's not just faceless Imperials fighting faceless rebels, it's these people have a personal investment in stopping you personally, Absolutely. not just the rebels or the Imperials. It, it just becomes so much more personal and... Uh, those people become characters instead of just pieces on a board. Now, there's, like, on a related note, there's something I want to address, which is that everything in this game, this seems like a good time to put this criticism in, everything in this game is default male. Yes. From yep. the figures to the characters yep. to the rule book. So the rule book always refers to all the players as him. Um, all the Imperial officers are male. I mean, yeah, so, so a good way to make the game a bit more fun and a bit less weird, especially if most of your group is girls, like ours sort of is, um, is to, like, even though that figure might look like a male, mm -hmm. be like, well, you know, that's actually going to be, like, we're going to change the appearance in our heads and be like, that Imperial officer is a girl, like we did, yeah. and then she, yeah. and then she becomes more memorable, too. Mm -hmm. Um... And, like, sometimes we would talk about, like, there's a couple characters who we just decided are the Wookiee, for example. Yes. So this, this game comes with six heroes. 
and two of whom are girls. Um, and one is a Wookiee with indeterminate gender. Um, I mean, I'm sure the box intended you to play as a male character. Because, of course it did. Um, of course it did. But we made that Wookiee a girl character. Yep. So then we have more girls to choose from. Yeah, and Garkon, she has like braids. She's got sort of braids we've woven into her um, pelt in the little figure. Yeah. And you painted them with some different colors. and. Yeah, so uh, Garkon was a girl in our yeah, game. Garkon is a cool character. And I do want to give Fantasy Flight some props though, because like almost every miniatures game that I know of, um, the girls have at least some cleavage. There's some like, sometimes it's really awful, but at the bare minimum, the girls are sexualized. In this game, none of the girl figures or artwork are sexualized. No, it's true. And they all Which, have yeah. very practical costumes, yeah. very Star Wars uh, appropriate costumes. Everything is no, surprising. I, I totally agree. The, the female characters that do exist in the game are awesome. They're pretty cool. And, yeah. uh, are awesome, fun to play. We played with all of them. I think we played with all of them, and then one from the expansion. Yep, my character was from the second, the first expansion, Twin Shadows. Yeah. And uh, the character that you see on the box, the main female character you'll see on the box with the orange jacket, Jin, uh, coincidentally the same name as the new lead character in Rogue One. She's... Um, was I mean, our, they use the same Star Wars name generator. Yeah. She's, uh, was our NPC pilot yeah. in our campaign. Exactly. And yeah, I agree. And you had, um, so sort of on that note, yes, all of the Imperial officers that we see in the original trilogy are white men for yep. whatever reason. Um, but it's canon that, there that were, they weren't. That they weren't, yeah. yeah. We, we know that from the supplemental new canon material that's come out since then, like Lost Stars, uh, which is a novel set mainly in the interior of the Empire. And even if that's not true, make your own goddamn canon where it's not all men. Yeah, it doesn't, there's no reason yeah. why that would make sense, so it's not necessary. So if you don't feel like just because the card has a picture of a man on it or the little figure kind of looks like a dude, it doesn't have to be a dude. No, exactly. So and, then, and that's true even for the, the player characters too. Like you don't yeah. have to you really don't have to go with what the illustration looks like. Yeah. You can just use the mechanics and decide this character is, you know, a Twi'lek yeah. or like, you know, um, a character of a different race or gender. Yeah. So So that's yeah, you don't have to feel uh, tied to any of those kind of mechanics. Yeah. You just make your own flavor. And it makes it more I find it's like it makes that character more um, you're going to remember the character more and you're going to, um, think about, like, if you give them a name and, like, one or two physical characteristics you're going to remember, Yeah. then everybody treats them differently. And yeah. sometimes they're more hesitant to kill them. <laughs> and by sometimes you mean I'm hesitant to kill them. Yeah. That's, um, but yeah. 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 We had a couple of, um, Imperial officer characters become characters. Yeah. And, uh, um... It was really cool. They came back a couple of times each, and uh, they both ended up surviving the campaign. Yeah. Um, Mostly, kind of. <laughs> well, they survived the campaign and then were brutally murdered in the canon that followed after the campaign. Yeah. Because our group, um, as we said, we really like to get into role-playing, so our group also gets into writing. So, a lot and a lot of our players are also writers. Yeah. So of course you're going to write yeah. canon fanfic for after. Yeah. The so over. we would in addition to role playing in between the missions, we would sometimes write vignettes that took place outside of the missions and then post them in between uh sessions so that we would have sort of extra characterization and uh, some of those imperial we captured one of the actually we captured two of the antagonists in the last mission and had some writing featuring them uh, after the campaign was over. So we got really attached to all of the characters. Yeah, it's, and it's hard not to. When you give someone a name and a yeah. description, like yeah. you're going to you're gonna think of them as a character. And yeah. You're going to get attached to them. Yeah, they got a personality, and, and, they, and we think that's really cool. Definitely. And this is something that, like, I... Um, 
I don't know, because we did, so some, there are certain points in this campaign, and I don't want to spoil anything, but there are certain parts in this campaign where certain named characters from the Star Wars universe shows up. Mm. I'm not going to say who, because um, it can be cool if you don't know that right. they're going to show up. I spoiled that R2-D2 and C-3PO had figures, though. Mm, that's fine. I didn't get any. That's, that's yeah. fair. Um, but I have, so we, we use that as default in our campaign. But something that I think would be interesting to try is instead of having um, a named character show up, make up your own and use the same stats. Um, and I think that might actually make the game more um, personalized. Yeah. Like, um, there's expansions for this game. So, like, one of the things about this game is it's a fantasy flight game, so of course it has expansions. And each expansion comes with more missions, more story, more characters, more villains. And you can just keep playing, like you buy a box and it's like another few weeks that you can like play of content for this game, like an expansion for a video game. And um, we haven't played any of the expansions yet, but we're going to cover those on this podcast. Um, but one thing I'm going to try for the expansions is like every time Han Solo fucking shows up, I think I'm going to make that a different character. Hmm. because and I, I want to see how people react like is it cooler if Han Solo shows up or is it cooler if an original character that you that is unique to this story shows up right yeah and um, it's true like if you think about um so as you alluded to there were named Star Wars characters that can show up including um some of the villains and um but ultimately, the characters that we got attached to were those original villains. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. And so, like, maybe, um, you know, instead of, instead of, um, not saying that any of these characters show up, but, like, instead of it being, um, we'll use the Han, Han Solo one. It, like, make it Jin Oden instead yeah. of Han Solo, right? Like, Jin's the smuggler in the box. So, like, and it doesn't really, I don't know, I, I think the game becomes, it depends on your group. Yeah, Maybe your group thinks it would be really cool to work with Han Solo. Yeah, and that's for sure like its own thing, and there's you, you're going to have that also be a cool thing. So Yeah, exactly. Which is why they do it. And I, I think that's, yeah, that's totally why they do it. But if you're interested, I think especially if you're interested in the role-playing or writing or characterization aspect, having original characters gives you more freedom. Yeah, you can to, write them however you want. Yeah, to interact with it in a more personalized way. They don't already have personalities. Absolutely. Um, so there's a few more things I wanted to talk about that I feel are pretty interesting stuff about this. Um, I think it's a it's a really good introduction. If if you are a role player and you have a group of friends who haven't done a role playing game yet, this is a great way to get tactically focused people into more role playing. It's easy to like. It's like a good transition. I think. Yeah, it's like a gateway role playing game. Yeah, I think it's a gateway role playing game. I think also it's a really good starter miniatures game if you want to get into miniatures painting. Um, there's this there's this series of YouTube videos called Sorastro's Miniatures Painting, I think. Um, I'll put the link in the podcast description. But basically, like it shows you as a beginner how like this this is a great basic set of miniatures to learn how to paint. Um, and there's this series which just shows you how to how to do all the, the basics of miniatures painting using this set, and it requires very few paints. Um, so if you're looking to get into miniatures painting and you want to do it kind of, I, I was going to say on a budget, but like this is a hundred dollar game, we should say. Yeah. Um, but we feel that for the value you get, you're going to get weeks of gameplay. It's like, and it's very like deluxe game yeah um, I, I actually think that your initial estimate of um, six weeks is probably very um, conservative because there's 12 to 14 missions depending on how fast you go it could be 12 weeks like you could do one mission a week uh, if you don't have enough time to do two or three in an afternoon because the missions can be anywhere between maybe 40 minutes to two hours even three, three we've yeah, done like three hour missions i think we did have a three hour mission so you know you it could give you a couple of months of 
you know, really solid. Well, and 12 weeks, that's assuming you play every week. Yeah, exactly. That's like, we played every week and we played for like six hours. So for some groups, this could last for... Yeah, you could play six months. Yeah. If you played every couple of weeks, you did a mission, a mission or two. If you really stretch it out. Yeah, so... It's a lot of content. Especially if you, um, you know, if you do have a dedicated group, you might be able to split the cost of the, the game. It's true, yeah. If you have a group who's like, I just forked out the money because I was like super jazzed about this game, but um, you don't have to. Yeah. So it it could, you know, it could be more affordable, split between a bunch of people and played for a longer amount of time. It's a lot. If of content. you want to, yeah, it's a lot of content. So it's it's definitely worth it, but it's a. Uh, it is an investment. It's not yeah. a cheap game. Yeah. Um, but compared to most miniatures games, this is a pretty good deal. Yeah, because you don't have to keep buying miniatures, too. Well, there are expansions. You can, but... But that's... um, We'll address the expansions on a separate podcast, I guess. There are expansions. You don't need them. Also, it comes with a skirmish game, which we never really tried. No, that's true. I I mean, I I tried it. I tried it. I did two matches with someone else, but... That's true. I think a lot of people play skirmish. I don't know. Maybe... Well, every time, yeah, whenever I've been on forums, people play as a, a lot of people game? talk about it as a skirmish game, which is where I think a lot of when the, we say skirmish game, we mean like a player versus like two player versus game. Yeah, like X Wing, but um, yeah, like X Wing. Instead of playing Tie Fighters and X Wings, you're playing Stormtroopers versus a Smuggler. Yeah, you know, um, I think a lot of people's impressions of the game as sort of the Imperial player versus the Rebel player come from the skirmish, which in which case it is, like, people get the impression that that's what the game is, and so you, they take the tactics they use in the skirmish game and apply it to the campaign where you act in the same, like, that's what I've seen on a lot of forums. Is, oh, really? Is, I haven't really looked. Is people sort of cautioning against that because that's the default that they've seen is you play the skirmish, and then the Imperial player carries on to play the Imperial player in the campaign and treats it like a skirmish where they're just trying to wipe out the rebels instead of That's interesting. It. Like all I've read I've only read a few reviews for this game, but all the reviews that I've read um, say that like, you know, play the campaign. The skirmish game is okay, hmm. but what you really want to buy this for is the campaign. Because the skirmish game is just like it's just that. It's okay. From what from what I've experienced. If you want to play a cool skirmish game, like maybe get into another miniatures game, like um, I don't know any, I don't know what I would recommend. X Wing maybe. Yeah. Um, if you want to get into another miniatures skirmish game, this one doesn't have a lot of depth. Like something like maybe War Machine or Hordes would like. That's another pretty popular one that has a pretty low entry level. Um, or Infinity. Anyway. Yeah, but maybe you're reading different things than I am. Like, most of the reviews I've read are like, you know, don't play it as a skirmish game, but... Oh, yeah. And they aren't review. These aren't really reviews. They're just people talking, like, on an Imperial Assault... Message board? Yeah. Okay, I haven't really delved like into on, that. Like, uh, the Imperial Assault <laughs> subreddit deals a lot with um, okay. skirmish matches and stuff, and they're talking about, like, different builds, and they want to know... And Interesting. Then, and then they're sort of talking about, okay, I'm getting into the campaign, because a lot of people have a hard time getting a group together for the campaign oh that's the other thing that i i found i guess i take that for granted that we have like a gaming group yeah who's willing to like play an ongoing game yeah because like some people i've i've recommended this game and i recommended pandemic legacy which is a similar campaign style game um to other people and they're like oh yeah we just got through the first mission and we're gonna do the next one a month from now yeah and i'm like oh my god yeah so i think a lot of people people play skirmish because they just don't have the you know, the number of people to play a campaign all the time. And you've got... The other thing which I've seen is you can play a campaign with two people. Like, you, just have, you the... have one player play the Rebels, and then you have the other player play the Imperials. Right. And I think the recommendation is at least four Rebel characters. You don't need to. You can play two Rebel characters, oh. but it's hard. Right. So, um, before we started, like, we, we played with three Rebel players and one Imperial player, 
But we played four rebel characters. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I looked that up on the internet beforehand. Like, is it okay to play with three characters? And they're like, just use four and have them control the fourth one because it'll be a lot easier. Yeah, so we had, um, we had each of the three players had their own character. And then Garkon, our sort of Wookiee barbarian, she was controlled by everyone. By we, the group. Yeah, we yeah. rotated... Um, her turn and decided sort of what she was going to do together. So she was almost like a player NPC. She wasn't any of our specific characters, but we all played her as a um, yeah. collective because the recommendation for the game to be the most fun and balanced was one Imperial player, four rebel characters. Yeah, definitely. So. Um, all right. So do you want to wrap up then, or do you have any other, other notes that, Imperial Assault? No, I think um, that was just... We got really into it. Like, I'm really into Imperial Assault. It's um, no secret that the Galactic Civil War is one of my favorite timelines in the Star Wars universe. Uh, what she means by that is right <laughs> after A New Hope. Or just in, even before that, with, with um, Star right. Wars Rebels as well. Like Imperials versus Rebels. Imperials versus Rebels is the sort of... Um, the timeline following Revenge of the Sith, the third episode three, uh, to the start of the rebellion, to the defeat of the Empire at the Battle of Jakku a year after the end of episode six. Um, I really like that timeline. I really like Empire versus Rebels, and so this game is a perfect timeline for me, and it's one of the reasons I'm so hyped about Rogue One because it's set in the same time period and it feels like when you're playing this game you're a rebel cell right out of you know the rebels tv show it's the same kind of character it's very similar concepts yeah same kind of um missions and then rogue one it looks like imperial assault the movie those could be our characters doing Sure. Those sort of yeah. missions. That's the kind of thing that you're working on. And so on a related note, I want to point out that's what makes this game really accessible to a large group of people. Like you could play this with your best friend and your cousin and your dad because your dad knows what a stormtrooper is. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. so, like everyone in the world knows what a stormtrooper is. Pretty. Mm. Wait, I know what you. I know we know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not everyone, but um, like almost weird. everyone has at least seen a New Hope. Yeah. Um, and if not, even if they haven't seen the movie, they know what a Wookiee is, and they know what... Yeah. Yeah. You I was, know, I was you actually... You want to fight the Empire, everybody, you know. Yeah. I was actually talking to, um, one of my friends who's a, a bit older, so, she, um, she's like 50, mm-hmm. and she doesn't know anything about... She's never watched Star Wars, she doesn't like Star Wars, um, and... She was like, the only thing I know about it is there's, like, a space bear, (laughs) and there's, like, the golden man, and then there's that trash can robot. Oh my god, I love it. I know, yeah. So, anyway, um, so even someone who has never seen the movies at least knows what, you know, a Darth Vader is, a stormtrooper is. Yeah. Um, So, I think it really makes it more, I think it makes it even more accessible than... Like, this, this game is really... I don't We haven't mentioned this yet, but this game is a reskin of an older game called Descent. Okay, yeah. Um, which is the same game, basically, um, but a little bit more... Um, like, this game ironed out a lot of the same... The rules. Um, it's the same game, but with, like, elves and orcs and dwarves. Okay, like and a I, D&D kind of... Yeah, D&D. Fantasy sort of. So Fantasy Flight made this game Descent in, like, 2004 or something, and had been releasing expansions for it forever. And they put out Imperial Assault last year, I think last year, as, it's almost like a revised version of Descent, but I think that Stormtroopers and Wookiees are, like, way more accessible than Elves and Orcs. Mm. Yeah. I think it makes it seem less nerdy, or a different kind of nerdy. I don't know. Because it it seems less like it's D&D, and a lot of people, they're like, oh, D&D, that's... Yeah, there's still some stigma against D and D. Yeah, definitely. And like this, is kind of, we love D and D. Like we played D and D for years. Yeah. Um, but I and think if you're trying to get new people into the hobby, which is definitely like one of my agendas. Yeah. Um, is to get um, more people in the hobby, especially less people who are like white dudes into the hobby. I want to convert more 
like honestly and that's something we talk about in another podcast like this is why I don't like going to game stores because it's like all fucking white guys there and I feel really out of place um that's changing but I think like a game like this is a game you could get almost anyone to play and they're gonna be like hey this is what you know, this is what board games are like. This is what miniature games are like. Yeah. Something like that can really... is a good entryway for people who are not your typical... Yeah. You know, cishat white gamer man. Having said that, it's not the kind of casual board game that you go to Snakes and Lattes or a board game cafe. Oh, hell no, yeah. Like, it's not a casual no. board game. It's accessible in the sense that it's... The rules are relatively streamlined and it's really fun but it's not Settlers of Catan. You don't sit no. down for an afternoon with, with some friends at a board game cafe and play it. It involves more commitment and yeah. more of an upfront price, but yeah. I don't think the rules are more complicated. No, it's just... It's just yeah. a different... It's more of a commitment. It's for more of someone who's, mm-hmm. who's willing to get into that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I think this is a great entryway. Um, so overall, I think we would both recommend this game to... Absolutely. a lot of people and I think what we're going to do over the next like this this game was the reason we made this podcast basically yep we had a lot of thoughts about Imperial we've been playing a lot of Imperial Assault and um we think there's a lot of interesting things about this game so we'll probably continue to cover it as we do this podcast um because we're planning on playing through all the expansions probably and um We'll have, like, reviews for each of those as well. Because it is... That's one of the nice things about this game is, like, because it's a fantasy flight game, if you like it, there's always going to be more of it. Like, they're going to put out a new... You don't have to get all of it, but... Like, let's say you play the base game, you liked it. A couple months later, you can just buy the expansion. So, yeah, we're going to cover all the expansions eventually. And, um... There's a lot of really cool ones. So like the next ex- the next big expansion, the small expansion is Tatooine, and then they have one about Hoth. Yep. And then they have there's a new one they just announced. It's about Bespin. Mm-hmm. So we haven't played any of the expansions yet, but um, I'm hoping to get caught up so that we can sort of like have a podcast about what just came out that week. Yeah. Well, and and they kind of are following the structure of the original trilogy movies. Yeah, where, pretty much. So, following A New Hope, you have the base game of Imperial Assault, which takes place, like, days after the destruction of the Death Star. And then you have uh, this side mission to Tatooine, and then the next big expansion is called Return to Hoth, which takes place, you know, right after the Battle of Hoth. And then um, they haven't announced, but the one after Best, the Bespin Gambit, which is set on Cloud City... But, of course, you're going to have um, one that's set after Return of the Jedi as well, presumably. My, my guess is the next two big ones. I think the next big box one, like the next Hoth, is going to be Endor. Yeah. And then I think the one after that, like their final one, uh, their final small box, I think is going to be Jabba's Palace. That would be... That's my guess. That, that makes sense. That's my guess. Because there's a lot of... like They often release these games based on... like. Which iconic characters can we fit in? Yeah. And I think, like, the next one that they could do that they could put some cool characters in is, like, maybe Jabba's Palace. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we're really hoping that they do a Force Awakens expansion. Yeah, I think they'll do a Battle of Jakku one first. That's which true, is like maybe. Yeah, the, they might the, do that. Which is the, you know, last stand of the Empire, um, which is canonically set a year after Return of the Jedi. It's the big final battle between the Empire and the Rebels. The Empire loses, and the New Republic is formed, and the Empire forcibly demilitarized. So... Right. I think... I wouldn't be surprised if they do one of those as well, before A Force Awakens. Yeah, because if, if they do A Force Awakens one, they might have to call it, like, First Order Assaults or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no Empire anymore after Jakku. So, so I don't know. I don't know what yeah. they're going to do after that. But I know, like, I'm convinced... Just based on Fantasy Light's track record, yeah. they're going to milk the shit out of this. They're going to, like, make as many expansions as they can based on how popular it's been. Yeah, and, I mean, they did uh, release a Force Awakens set for X-Wing. Yeah, so they have the license. They yeah. have they have the license to do it, we assume, if they can do it for, X- for X-Wing. Yeah. 
Um, oh, and I wanted to say I, um, I wanted to say that you also had sort of wanted to do an ongoing discussion of your home brew rules yeah, changes. Yes, because so. you're going to make some changes to the rule set in order to accommodate our group's playing style and sort of change the yeah the the box a little bit. So you were going to talk on the ongoing podcasts about the latest episode and sort of what you had done to alter the game to suit us better. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I might also put that as an article on the website so that you can actually, anything that I create, I will just put up a copy of it. Um, but basically what I'm planning on doing is adding slightly more role-playing mechanics to the game. Um, but yeah, we'll cover them as we play through them. Yeah. So then we'll get your reaction as a player and then I can explain what I changed and how you can change it if you want to. Yeah. Um, as the Imperial player. Uh, yeah, so... I think that's everything. Yeah. For now. I mean, we can always talk about more of our feelings being Imperial Assault on yeah. the other podcasts. Yeah. But I think in terms of reviews, that's everything I can think of. It's a solid, solid Star Wars miniatures board game. We had a blast. Yeah, it's really good. Um... It's definitely one of my favorite games right now. Um, and uh, I guess something we should also mention is that we are thinking about doing a possibly monthly um, Star Wars book club. Yeah, so like every fourth podcast yep. might, might be a discussion of a, a book. Yep, so we're going to make our way through um, some of the new canon. We probably will be uh, prioritizing new canon uh, versus Legends. If, if we do Legends, it's likely to be after we've gotten through, I think. So should we announce that then now? Like, we're gonna, like let's say we want, we want to do a review of, or do a book club about, so that the viewers can, yeah, like, join yeah. them. If you want to read, we're going, our first episode of the book club is going to be about the Alan Dean Foster's Force Awakens novelization. Okay, cool. Um, do you, so, like, when, how many weeks do you think we should give them? I would say it's probably, like, if we're going to do a monthly book, we yeah. probably want to give them a month. Okay, so, like... Even if we record... Yeah. Like, we were thinking of recording our first book club next month, but if you guys want to actually read it and then sort of read along with us, we could actually release that podcast a month from now. Yeah, so we could say... Um, we could do it on, like, episode seven, maybe? Yeah. This is episode three? Yeah, so we're doing... Yeah, we're we're gonna be. I've I've read the novel. You're reading it right I now. I just started reading it. Um, yeah, I'm probably gonna go through it again. I'd like to make some notes about uh, particular passages, and then we're gonna do a totally spoiler-filled review. There's yeah, exactly. Be, yeah, we'll there's do going to be um, not a, there. There might be a. We'll do a spoiler-free uh, sort of summary of our review on the website. But the actual uh, book club episodes are going to have spoilers in them for whatever book we're reading. Yeah, so we'll probably try to do one of those a month and we'll give you a warning. So maybe like, yeah, why don't we do every, maybe we start, our first book club will be episode eight and then every fourth one right. will be a book club episode maybe. Yeah, and then so we'll tell you when we do the book club episode. So during the Force Awakens episode, we'll tell you what the next what one. the next book is going to be. That's going to be fun, yeah. And we're also going to be covering not just novels, but the comics too, probably. There's yeah, yeah. Some of the you started reading the comics. Yeah, there. Um, I read. Uh, I started reading Poe Dameron, and uh, I want to read Princess Leia too. And cool, so yeah. Much. So we'll keep you posted, so that you can read along with us and see what we think about all these new canon books. Sounds good. Okay, so that's it for today, uh, and we'll see you next week. Do you want to um, tell people what your Twitter address is? Okay. Plug yourself? Sure. Uh, so you can, as you know, you can find us on Twitter at Imperial underscore hearts, and you can find me uh, at Duskheart. So Duskheart uh, on yeah. Twitter. And I am Dana underscore Howell on Twitter. Yep. And um, you can follow us if you want. I scream a lot about Star Wars and my Star Wars feelings. I don't use my Twitter a whole lot, but I do. I think mostly I use that Twitter for gaming and uh, Star Wars. Yeah. And then you can visit us on our website at 
Imperial Assaults, or sorry, <laughs> imperialhearts, all one word, dot com. Yep, so feel free to say hi, and uh, we'll chat with you about Star Wars anytime. Okay. Um, our theme music, the me- all the music we use in this podcast is Breakfast with Tiffany's. I got I got it wrong last time. I oh. said Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, it's, it's the track called Breakfast with Tiffany's, or Breakfast with Tiffany. Do you want to start this again? No, it's fine. Um, by an artist called Broke for Free. I have a link to that in the podcast description. Cool. All right. Have a good Star Wars week, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.